Under the Influence Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Eckes, a serial entrepreneur and social media guru that has an infatuation with all things business related. On the show, we bring together brands, creators, and thought leaders to discuss the power of influence. Each episode is jam-packed with learnings, firsthand stories, and conversations from guests that truly have their finger on the pulse. Stay tuned as we dive into the stories and explore the impact they're making by getting under the influence. I have been sneaking my dog into our office for like the last three weeks. My dogs. I have two. I have a golden retriever and a Frenchie. And I think my like anxiety is actually doing so much better. And it's almost like released a little bit too because... Like I'm not working from home. And if you guys have been listening to this podcast, I think you guys all know that I absolutely despise working from home. I can't focus. I feel like I need to be cleaning or just like binging Netflix. And so going to the office every day is like therapeutic, but then like also I have to run home and I have to make sure the dogs are okay. And it's been like crazy weather in San Diego. Anyway, long story short, sneak your dogs into the office. Tell your boss to be quit being such a hard ass. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) anyway, I can hear like literally my whole team being like, but we don't get to bring our dogs. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a bad boss. Anyway, you guys, I have such a fun, awesome guest today. Her name is Sybil Clark Amudi, and she is an executive brand strategist, podcast producer, and host, and philanthropist. She's also a wife, a mother, and this girl has one of the most interesting stories. I really, really enjoyed the way that she started out. And I'm going to take it back a little bit here. Do you guys remember? And if you guys are too young, then maybe skip through this part. But for those of us that remember when we first got our cars, we had to print out MapQuest. We had to actually print directions to where we were going. At one point, even before that, there were legitimate maps that you would buy and keep in your fucking car. And Sybil came from and studied urban planning and map making, which is to me, like, I just feel like how cool would it be to be someone where it's like, I'm going to put a Starbucks here. I'm going to put a target here. Like, this is where this needs to be on this like corner. She did that. And because she did that, it led her into these conversations with top marketing execs from every certain place talking about urban planning. Where does Wendy's go? Where does Target go? Where do these major corporate gas stations go? And she was actually able to sit in on these marketing conversations and offer her two cents because she knew understood consumer behavior enough from all of her map making and urban planning. From that point, she also went on to represent and to personally work with major brands like Nike, Sony, Target, NASCAR, Condé Nast, Tony Robbins, holy shit, Feeding America, Red Table Talk, all these major, major, major brands. Like She went on and actually led them in marketing strategy. From there, she decides, I'm not only going to do this, but I'm also going to start and co-host a podcast called The Great Girlfriend Show which has been around for the last seven years. She has an incredible following both on Instagram and on Facebook where she basically teaches women how to embrace friendship and gives them a community in order for them to act it out. 
I mean, I know all of our guests are absolutely incredible, but like just what a story we got going on here. And just, it's like a warm hug, this episode. So highly encourage you guys to follow Sybil, check out what she's doing, but also just enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on. And honestly, I was on your show. We had a great time. Now we're doing a little bit of a swap. We're going to have some fun. And I'm excited to just get into your story with you. Oh, thank you for having me, Whitney. I know you were a pleasure. I was like, friend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great when that like works out? Because sometimes there's some podcasts where you're like, you can't, yeah, you know, want to talk to that conversations, yeah, conversation's <laughs> great. And then it's just like a drop off as soon as the episode ends. Yeah. <laughs> There's some episodes where you're like, eh. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't even want to listen to that. I got to do that over. But no, with you, I was like, oh my goodness. She is fun, juicy, and smart. <laughs> I love it. Oh God. You're so sweet. Well, we'll, we'll have a good time, but Sybil, you do so many incredible things. I mean, again, you have your podcast, but you also have this background where you've worked with and built out strategy for some, you know, incredible brands. And I kind of want to start from the beginning of how you even got into that. I'm I'm a marketer by nature, and it sounds like you are too. So I really want to hear how all of this kind of came about. Yeah. Wow. So, oh, the come about story is so weird, right? Because I went to college for urban planning and people were like, urban planning, that's city building. Like, what are you doing? When I went to grad school in New York, my master's was in urban planning and business development. And that's when I started to realize. And the reason why Whitney was honestly so vain, I was like, wait, planners only make like $65,000 a year. How am I going to be able to live the life I want to live? I'm not, I'm in trouble. I need to add something to this major. And, yeah. and, and that was my why of let me, let me just figure, I know there's something in business. Let me figure it out. So there's a lot of figuring out going on. The sweet spot for me was jumping into GIS, which was geographic information systems. That's like creating maps. Wow. Was, okay. So I'm dating myself, but go back 20 years. I was graduating from grad school and, and and at that time, you know, phones did not have maps on them. There was no Google maps were, were printed. Generally. And so I was one of those people that knew the technology and could create, could run the technology behind creating maps. I was a map maker. Wow. I started making maps, loved it, found, and that's where I found my sweet space financially. I was like, this is a sweet space. I love making maps. I get to go to model. I was a model in in New York in the early 2000s. I get to go to castings and work during the day. I get to make maps at night. And so that's how I got into the maps. The maps teach you data. Data is the key to life, right? Every single one of us wants to know who the people are around us and what they do and their behaviors. Now we understand how to create avatars and personas in business. But back then it was very much like gathering of census data. What do they look like? What do they do? And how can we make them shop more? So people want the map maker. They want the GIS person in the room to teach them what the data means. I'm able to speak to the data because the data shows behaviors. If you can take a population of people, plop them on a map, you learn a thousand things about them in an instance that they can't even see about themselves all because of their behaviors. There's behavioral science behind all of that. I was literally just a map girl who was really good at interpreting the data. I was really good at saying, well, if these people live here, 
yet they're shopping over here. You need a store there. That just makes sense because it's going to make it easier for them to do the things they need to do. So in planning, when people are learning how to develop new business, they want to know where to put these businesses. The maps tell you, well, if people are here, you need stores here. If people are shopping here, you're going to need a gas station and a Wendy's next to that target because they're going to eat and they need gas after. Oh, and a grocery store, right? It's kind of like consumer behavior too, in a sense, right? Like you're it kind is. of engineering where these businesses are going. And that's how it works. And so brands or businesses would go like, well, what do we, where do we build? Where do we go? Well, let's call the map girl. So I got invited into new rooms because I was able to articulate the map data. And that interpretation allowed me to get in the rooms where they were talking about marketing. They weren't talking about branding. Branding wasn't really a thing. Product development was a thing, but branding wasn't quite a thing. But they were talking about marketing. And I was like, oh, I like these conversations. Let me just add a little bit, not uninvited, but let me just throw my two cents in and see what happens. And my two cents would stick. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually good at this. <laughs> what I'm doing here. Wait, hold on. Before you continue, yeah. what were those conversations like at that time? Because I feel like to what we're seeing is we grew up with the corporate brands. We grew up with the big giant guys, right? Like you just mentioned, the Wendy's, the gas stations, the Target, the big boys. What were those marketing conversations like as you're filling them in on all this data and where all these people are and what's the best yeah. you know, position to put the Wendy's at? Like, What, what were those yeah. conversations? Well, the conversation remains the same, right? How do we reach them? Wow. And then how do we keep them there? How do we get them to stay with the brand? So attention and retention always with marketing. How do I get people in there? And then how do I get them to stay? And what does staying look like? Staying has evolved, right? It was brick and mortar stay. I need them to shop for an hour and go through every aisle. Now it's like, I need them to shop, you know, online. I need them to shop, you know, uh, in person. I need them to shop in our community and our membership rewards. I need them engaged on our social media. Staying looks different now, but the goal is always, how do I get them in there and how do I get them to stay? So those conversations were that. So it's all about, you know, the comms around it. What are you saying to people? Who are you talking to? And what's important to their life story? And so I found a sweet spot there. I was like, I like it here and I want to do more of this. And so that was my invitation into brand strategy and starting to have some kind of playing power with in-brand conversations because I knew how to speak to the numbers. The numbers are telling you what consumers have done in the past, but also what they want in the future. And that interpretation is so useful as you're starting to build out new products, as you're starting to speak to brands and you're helping brands evolve in their storytelling. So that was my like entree in. It wasn't an easy leap in because I did come from the day where you needed a degree to prove your thought leadership or capabilities. So my degree did not match mm -hmm. my capabilities. I was just good at that interpretation. It was a gift that I have always had. I'm very good at reading people and kind of interpreting based off of moves sure. or even based off of your presence, what your next needs might be or, or what you're trying to communicate. So I was very good at that that piece. And I just, I had to constantly prove that I was capable, even though my degrees were not in my, but you don't have a degree in marketing. No, I don't. Thank God. I think I'm probably better off not having a degree because I'm helping marketers with degrees, figure out the things that they can't figure out. So maybe yeah. it is 
that don't have that degree. Maybe it is good that my degrees are in urban planning and in business development and that I can see the power in geographic interpretation and how now how it plays out online, right? Yeah. I think that this is such an interesting concept of how what you were doing with this urban planning and with creating these maps led you into the room of people having conversations about what you just said, intention, retention, where do we need to go? How do we get in front of them, but also how do we retain them? So at what point then do you start working with Condé Nast, Tony Robbins, Feeding America, like Red Table Talk? Like where, when does all of this start happening? So the agency work, you know, being in, being a part of, an, of the agency world gave me an opportunity to sit in front of some really exciting brands and help them solve big problems. Like, you know, we're having new, having positioning issues or, you know, in the example of Tony, his catalog of, of work was archiving because it was not, it, he had not innovated his product marketing, great product, evergreen, eternal product, the, the best product next to the Bible. But like, how do we make the next generation aware of this product if it's on tapes? So what does innovation look like for a brand? And then, you know, Condé Nast, we want to reach new audiences, but how do we make it palatable to have certain conversations? What does the dialogue need to look like? Well, let's look at their pain points. Let's figure out what's hurting them. And let's talk about the benefits of solving these pains or let's figure out what their new pleasures are. If it's travel and destinations, how do we speak to that for women and know that we're creating a new bridge between women who are travelers, who are solo travelers or girlfriend travelers who are traveling on a budget? Who? How do we find out to, where to create these intersections in our communications as marketers? Being a part of the agency world gave me the opportunity. You know this, Whitney, one client begets another because if you do something well, right, you can't contain it. And they're like, oh my goodness, you, you need to work on this. I have a friend. I was at a lunch. This company yeah. is struggling with this. I want to connect you here. And so I think oftentimes people forget the power of relationships. If our relationships aren't serving us, then we're not serving them well. I think one of the things that I've been very intentional about in the course of my career is serving my relationships well, continually understanding my role to add value and to see useful intersections, to offer great insights when they're needed and when they're not needed and when I'm getting paid and when I'm not getting paid. To be a friend to a brand or be, to be a friend to a client has proven the capability to be able to always have relationships and then those relationships build new ones. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're, I think that you're spot on. And I, I mean, it sounds like you're just, your work is so full of quality that you bring so much to the table already, just in the few words that you've spoken. But I think that you're really touching on a fine point here. And especially for our listeners, you don't have to know everything to advance your career but more, more importantly, it's that what you're showing up as and what the value you're bringing to the table that you feel confidently in. And I love that you just said like a client begets a client because honestly, like that's the way I've scaled like our agency. Like with spin, I'm awful at sales. I'm awful at cold pitches, but I treat every client like it is my first and my last. Yeah. And it's something too that has brought us in future sales because of that. And it's not necessarily like, the sales pitch. It's not necessarily 
all these different things or all these different factors. It's more or less the way that the client feels. And then also to the quality of work, which I could not agree more with. Yeah. And I think you get to that place of quality when you don't try to do everything that the client needs. Don't try to do the things that are outside of your scope of capability. Yeah. Things that you do well and trust that those things are enough. You know, a lot of times in business, we're like, I want to do 12 things because I want to, I want to, I just want a chance. And you'll kill your chance because you don't do 12 things well. You do too well. Like do the two <laughs> well. <laughs> I love and, it. Right. And, and do those two well and be known for the two. Be yep. known for the two and then call on the other people who do the other 10 things to be a part of your team. But don't try to do Every, like, I'm not a PR girl, though I understand the need for it. I can work well with a, with a PR strategist, a PR girl. I know great PR people. It's just not my thing. I, I don't do it, but I, I understand it and, and we need it, but it's just not. And so I know not to offer that as a capability. Yes, I can do crisis communications. I know response communication, but I don't do that. I don't. But and so I know my limits and I know where I can where I can produce quality. And then I I fill the gaps with people who are capable of doing it. And there's there's also times where there are new markets. There might be a market, the gaming market. That's not my market. I can probably do some comms with women in gaming, with, you know, uh, moms in gaming, new product development in certain lanes. However, there are people that are core to these things that I don't need to try to take business off of someone else's plate. And and then there are times where I might take a chance on myself because I've studied a little and I want to learn a little more. And I know I'm being disruptive, but I also know when I'm beyond my scope. And I think that's very important for people to realize like, okay, I can call on other people to help with this. I don't need to be the hero of the client all the time. I think that is such a great piece of advice. I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend and I was talking to her about like a lot of this like business shame that I, that I went through. And one of the biggest like components of, of that was that I used to feel and give myself so much shame for not being good at every single part of the business, for not being great, you know, at everything from operations, staffing, accounting, you know, HR, legal, everything. <laughs> and I used to think like I was a bad entrepreneur before it. And honestly, it wasn't until the agency and everything else started really to scale that I realized like I can hire people for this and they can be rock stars and they could actually bring so much more light and credible work into this without me having to overextend myself and also having me to feel like shame around that. And it was this really weird, yeah, really weird conception of like, I don't have to feel shame about this. Like I can, I can do, like you said, instead of trying to do 12 things, do your two things that you're really good at and allow other people to help. And then it's like, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships kind of situation. No, I understand and relate and went through it. I, and, and I still do sometimes. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, creeping up. I have to. Yeah. Need, but the doctor needs a doctor. The therapist needs a therapist. Those with clients need clients. Like, like you are a client to someone. And I think it's okay for us to have gaps and have questions and have the courage to ask someone to help fill in those gaps and answer those questions for us. I know that th there is this big notion in entrepreneurship, especially as women, as your bosses, that bosses, you know, can do it all, can have it all. And I don't agree that we have to. I mean, I'm yeah. going to go further, faster, 
If I call a plumber to fix the toilet, then if I go on YouTube to try to figure it out, go to Lowe's to grab the tools. And I hate toilets, just to be clear. I have one use for it. I don't want to know the rest of it. It's not my business. And I'm I'm that way with accounting. I'm that way with legal. I'm that way. Those are areas that I am not strong, but I know strong people. Yeah, like it works for me to have really great muscle that I did not necessarily build, but that I can call on. Wow. I I love that. And I, I think that me and you share that. Then we share so much synergy around that. Get Super is an instant wellness beverage brand created by moi. So good, you won't believe it's instant. It's for those seeking convenient energy sans the jitters. That's right. We put good old-fashioned broad-spectrum hemp CBD into our organic Arabica instant coffee. It's probably Arabica, but I call it Arabica because it sounds more fun. Get Super and our hemp extract contains all the naturally occurring cannabinoids and turpentines. We include about 20 milligrams of hemp per each stick pack to give you all the fun, calm energy, plus that true entourage effect. All the benefits without getting quote unquote high, as all of our products are non-psychoactive. Get Super has been featured in Forbes US Today and was named top startup to watch in 2021 by Yahoo Finance. Also, you guys, Get Super has helped me with my anxiety. It helps me sleep better at night. I've mentioned to you guys my whole mental health journey. And honestly, this company was a just passion and project of love because of what I've gone through and what I've walked through with my own depression and anxiety. I hope that it will help you the same exact way it has helped me. So go ahead and get your 15% off by using the code under the influence 15 at checkout. That's right. Under the influence 15 at checkout. you're continuing this agency work or you're wrapping it up or, you know, you're working with these incredible brands, you somehow in the midst of all this also started a podcast. Yeah. So how did that come about? And tell us a little bit about the show. Interestingly enough, I wrapped sort of agency work in 2015 and became a consultant on a a one-to-one basis. So about seven years ago. And the reason I did was thanks to Tony Robbins. (laughs) I I was working very closely with at the time. You get to meet him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What? How cool. He is one of the best humans ever, ever, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Tony, love him. (laughs) I'm like, I love love everyone in his company. Just like my heart beams thinking about him and, and the work that he did and he does and working with him. But in that time of working with his brand, one of the requirements was to go through his experiences. And so in going through Unleash the Power Within multiple times, Stay with Destiny multiple times, Business Mastery multiple times, and fine-tuning things on his end, I also began fine-tuning things in my life. And one of the things that I limited myself on was being one thing, that you have a career, you do this one thing, and that's it. But these other things simmer or brew in your heart And they're intended to have voice and they should be released into the world, but you only do one thing. So you can't. Mm -hmm. However, I'm working on brands of people who are doing multiple things. Yeah. Who books, who are authors, who are singers, who are, you know, are in business, who own and develop products, who are investors. I've given them the permissions that I wouldn't give myself. And that conviction was what 
led me to say, well, what are you leaving on the table? What part of your legacy are you leaving behind if you only do the one thing Mm -hmm. that you've given yourself permission to do, but these others matter? And that was the gateway. As a mentor, I found myself strapped. I had two toddlers at the time and zero office time. So not enough bandwidth to really reach women in the way I wanted to. Lots of people wanted Tony to start a podcast and he didn't want to. And so I was in the middle of those. He should start a podcast. He doesn't want to do it. But I was getting the data on podcasts and I was a podcast listener. Um, The voices were very white, male and sterile at the time in the podcast world. And I didn't feel like I had a space, but I was like, well, if I'm listening, I'm sure there's other women who are listening who would like to listen to a woman. That was the beginning of me saying, this can't be too hard. If this is the information they're sending Tony on how to start a podcast, then maybe I can start one. And so I reached out to a friend to say, hey, this is what I want to do. I think this is important. I want to talk about the power of friendship and the role that it plays in every single vertical of our lives. Um, I want to celebrate women and friendships, powerful friendships. I want women to understand that I want there to be a case study proof of life that amazing friendships are powerful, are are possible, and that you can supercharge relationships and activate them differently. And I want this podcast to do that. And my great girlfriend at the time, who was my co-host at the time, said, absolutely, let's do it. And we started the podcast and it began to start a movement just around the power of supercharged friendships and relationships. I mean, and I, it's so funny too, cause I, I just did a podcast like on this topic uh-huh. and I called it friends with benefits, but like, that, <laughs> so good. I think that what you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there is so much power in friendship, but there's also so much power in aligned friendship and people that are truly filling your soul, truly bringing, you know, something to the table versus kind of acquaintanceship or something that's really energy draining. And I love that. What is, what is your take on finding that true friendship or what have you noticed, you know, just to base off the conversations you've had with guests or your own friendships or things like that? Yeah. I think the most important part is planting yourself in places where you already have interests. You know, like if you love knitting, join the knitting group in your local area, right? If you are a singer, you love singing, you know, going to karaoke nights or going to some like singing group. If you love business, if you're just really rock steady on entrepreneurship, finding like the chamber of commerce and finding local circles where women are communing or people are communing around things that you're already passionate about because like-mindedness is essential, in friendship. And then when you start to locate that like-mindedness, you start to locate congruency and other other things that are happening as well. Oh, there's other women who are here who are also interested in, in wine or interested in travel. You start locating these other intersectionalities. And I will say all of my adult friendships have been groomed in that way. Like-mindedness is it's like essential for having like a fruitful, ripe, quality relationship. So I think a lot of times people try to spread themselves too far when they're looking for great friendships. And also I think people limit themselves to geographic spaces And the great thing about what I've seen in the seven years of having the Great Girlfriends podcast and community is that so many women met online in our community and have now become travel partners, business partners, you know, buddies in in the sick room, whatever, buddies in business. They've just done all these dynamic things because they just, it was one thing that triggered something fresh and new for them. And there's so many friendships friendships that have been birthed out of my DMs where Someone would DM me and say, hey, this resonated from the podcast or, hey, I saw you at this event and we didn't speak, but I wanted to 
you know, exchange information or you spoke here, or I want you to speak here, whatever be the case. And these relationships have been birthed that I want to take with me everywhere. So I think it's just important to look for the look for the synergy. There's always some synergies that are found in people. And when you find the synergy, play there and then see what else comes from it. The far and wide for me, I don't think it's a great idea because you get so tired mm-hmm. of searching and hunting and hoping. And I think another key piece is to know that you deserve superior friendships. You deserve great girlfriends. Like you deserve to have women around you who are the battery pack and who will support you and nurture you. Even if you haven't always had it, even if you're guilty of being a poor girlfriend in the past, you can still have and deserve to have quality relationships now and in the future. Yeah, I could not agree more. And again, like I feel like my, it's funny because I have like maybe five friends. Like I don't have a lot of friends. And it's because the friends that I have in my life are so pivotal to me. And they are the friends that I want to spend the most time on and time with, with the kind of limited time that I already have kind of in my life. And so I love that. I love that you said like the battery pack, but I also love that, you know, you also mentioned kind of that reaffirming thought of like, we do deserve great friends. And sometimes I think that we just kind of let people walk in and walk out of our lives and really demand a lot of the attention. And I don't necessarily think that's the best option. I think there's so much opportunity to find people that are wanting to serve your life the way that you're wanting to serve theirs. And Uh I just think that what you've created with the brand and with the podcast is so reaffirming to just women and even men too, that are like, you know, I, I want to know what this means. I want to explore friendship deeper and I want to understand the ways in which I can also like amplify my current friendships. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I think when you realize like I deserve emotional space in my relationships, you can realize like you have your five and you're full Mm -hmm. and there's emotional space there for you to be whatever being looks like. It can be good, bad and ugly, right? Because we're not always beautiful. Sometimes we're very like, (laughs) right? It can be, but don't abandon me in my grit. Like stick with me. If you're my friend, give me the emotional space to be down or to make mistakes and recover. Yeah. Like when you go for quality and you, you, like you said, and you have those relationships where you have the emotional space to be groomed for growth, like nothing's, nothing's off the table. You can do business yeah. together. You can travel, you can invest together. You know, th- there's no limit to what can happen. And my besties, my great girlfriends have been my investors. They've worked my events they pitched me for events. I've spoken at their companies. You know, they've invited me into circles. I've invited them in. There's no boundary to, I've caught the baby at birth. I'm God. Mom. <laughs> oh, no. There's no, there's no boundary because that's the fullness of a great relationship. Sybil. Yes. Just, <laughs> just so much. Yes. You are just like so much fun. Like you just have this like friendship energy around you and you're so like connecting and it's been such a pleasure to have you on. I want to, I want to wrap this with one last question. It's a question that I always ask on the episode and that's what does influence mean to you? Ooh, that's so good. Thank you for those compliments, by the way. I needed them today. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, influence means like responsible leadership. 
Mm, Absolutely. It's knowing that what I do is infectious or affect, it can infect or affect other people and being responsible with that knowing. Mm. Yeah. Love that. I absolutely love that. Sybil, where can everyone find you? How do they listen to the show? Drop all the links. Yeah. Okay. So uh, listen to the show at thegreatgirlfriends.com. Thegreatgirlfriends.com. Follow the great girlfriends um, on Instagram. We have a large Facebook community, The Great Girlfriends. Um, and then also me, I'm on Instagram at Sybil, S-Y-B-I-L underscore A-M-U-T-I. I respond to DMs. I really do. I love, I love my DM family. I'm like, oh. I love this. Don't send me anything <laughs> gross, but like all the other stuff I respond to. And I'm always grateful to reach out and meet new friends. So yeah. Well, you are just a joy. Thank you oh, so much for going under the influence with us. I can't wait to have lunch one, one day some in one of these cities nearby. Like we have to get together. We'll get together. No, no worries. We'll figure it out. Make it happen. <laughs> Thank you for having me. 